We're off to the United States and with us, Daniel Kurtzleben, political correspondent assigned to NPR's Washington desk. Danielle, kia ora, good morning. Um, still no Speaker of the House. Yep, that's true. It's very odd to not have any updates. I, I've been talking to you all for a couple of weeks now about how we don't have a speaker. So the latest update is this, is Jim Jordan, who had been trying to get elected speaker. He is a Republican from the state of Ohio who is very much aligned with the Trump mega wing of the party. Um, really very much a uh, obstructionist might be a good word. He's uh, a Republican who was uh, sort of instrumental in that shut that near shutdown we had a couple weeks ago. So he has failed after attempting for three votes to get the speakership, but it became clear the House Republican Conference just didn't want him. So now it is very much up in the air. Uh, at the latest count that I've seen, nine Republicans are vying to be the next House Speaker. And I'm not going to go through all of them, but perhaps the most uh, talked about one is a man named Tom Emmer. He is a Republican from Minnesota, and he is the number three Republican in the House, uh, quite respected among some Republicans, well-known, has plenty of power, but might be too, uh, quote-unquote, moderate for some of the people in the conference, which is to say uh, he voted for the funding package that stopped the latest shutdown. He voted to certify Biden's victory in 2020. And so among some of the more fringe Republicans, it's not clear that they would support him. So what are the ramifications to all of this back and forth and to all of the candidates and to all of the votes failing? It's There are huge potential ramifications. I mean, first of all, there was that near shutdown that I told you about. Right now, there's a stopgap spending bill that is in place, but that runs out in a few weeks here. Now, once that runs out, the House and Senate are going to have to vote on further funding. And But the House can't vote on anything, really, until they have a speaker. So we need a speaker before the government can continue working. And besides that, there's a lot of crises overseas and if the US wants to ha- wants to authorize more foreign aid congress has the power of the purse so the house also needs a speaker before we can authorize any foreign aid to ukraine israel any other places. Mm. Of course, speaking of such things, that's exactly what President Biden has been asking for, aid to both Ukraine and Israel. Um and I suppose the situation there uh Surely the Republicans, as well as the Democrats, will be wanting to be able to make moves in those spaces. Absolutely, yes. Uh, Foreign aid, foreign policy in general, is an area unlike domestic policy where uh, there, where things are not super hard and fast by party lines, which is to say you have Republicans and Democrats alike who very much want to get aid to Israel. You have Republicans and Democrats alike who very much want to get aid to Ukraine. Uh, so th- there is some common cause that could happen there. Would there be a speaker? Uh, 
So as as you mentioned, President Biden uh, did a speech to the nation last week uh, at nighttime from the Oval Office. It's a special occasion to really advocate for foreign aid. Now, one thing that he's doing is saying, I want one hundred and six billion dollars for Ukraine, Israel, uh, for uh, countering China, which is to say there would be some aid to Taiwan, for example, and also border security on the U.S.-Mexico border. Really, what he seems to be trying to do is lump together a lot of stuff that Democrats might get behind, particularly Ukraine aid, and Republicans can get behind Israel and southern border spending and say, let's just vote for all of it. I want everybody to get behind this. Mm. Um, on Israel... And, of course, the conflict that has erupted uh, between Israel and Hamas. Um, The Republicans Mm -hmm. in particular, very pro-Israel. Just talk us through some of those sort of broadly partisan splits in that pro-Israel lobby. Yes, absolutely. Um, Yeah, as opposed to Democrats. Democrats, you have a bit more sympathy for the Palestinian people, especially among young Democrats. Republicans are quite uniformly pro-Israel and have been for quite a while. And there are a few big reasons for that. But one in particular is white evangelical Christians who very much feel a biblical tie to Israel and see um, and see scriptural ties to Israel. They believe that they're, that God made a promise in the Old Testament to Abraham, sort of the father of the faith, saying, Abraham, you and your descendants are going to get the land that is now Israel and the Palestinian territories. A lot of evangelical Christians believe in that quite literally. In addition, they see a link uh, between Israel and the existence of Israel and the end times. Uh, There are passages in Revelation that tie to that. So between that and the fact that evangelical Christians who weren't always entirely Republican have very much become more Republican in the last several decades. That's one huge reason. Another is that uh, Republicans during the George W. Bush era in particular were quite pro-intervention in other countries. They were quite pro-promoting democracy. And Israel was very much seen as a good strategic partner to Mm. have in the Middle East as a functioning democracy. So Republicans for quite some time felt very pro-Israel. Now that is changing um, in terms of interventionism, but the party is uh, Mm. very much back to the country right now. Indeed. Thank you very much for the updates. Danielle Kurtzleben there from the United States.